Doug and Marty versus the World is sponsored and paid for by Marty McClendon, Doug Bassler, and EasyTVSpots.com. Round one, go. Well, happy Palm Saturday to you, brother. Happy Palm Saturday, huh? <laughs> Why well, wait till Sunday? Saturday's here right now. We can go ahead and, you know, get the palms out, the palm branches, and uh, we can have a Doug and Marty versus the world. This is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon, as Doug said, this is Doug and Marty versus the world. Thank you for joining us all across the ACN network. And Doug, before we get started... I've yes. got to shoot a shout out. You know, our wives probably don't listen to the show. I'm just, I'm not surprised, but uh, it is <laughs> my wife's they don't birthday. They not listen to me at all, brother. Right? Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it's Lynn's birthday. My wife's birthday is today. Oh, so man. a shout out to her, just in case she ever listens to the podcast. And don't you have a birthday coming up soon too, brother? I do. End of the month, brother. So, so I, anyway. You guys are yeah. April babies. April. Our whole family, first of all, our daughter, Faith, in March, end of March. Uh, Logan, April 6th. My wife, April 9th. Mine's April 27th. And our anniversary is May 6th. So it's all like, yeah, right there together. So there's no even any, any, any reason to even buy cake the rest of the year. You just cake yeah. out for like a month and then you're then good. Gracie makes out in August, right? So she's the one lone person out in the summertime. So, so I'll but. just add another birthday to that. My Callie is actually, this is the first year that that I can remember her birthday is actually on Easter Sunday on the 17th. So that's, Oh wow. It's a real late Easter this year. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So, um, so we're all kind of like, this is cool. You know, when my, occasionally my birthday falls on Thanksgiving right now, don't mm -hmm. give me any Turkey jokes, but yeah. I love it because my, my family all comes over at Thanksgiving and I get all these extra presents. So it's like, you really know, cool. your birthday and my dad's birthday are very close together. And that, that happens to him every once in a while as well. And so it's, it's uh, you know, November, right? It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So April, November, those are the good months. The rest of the months, you guys can go pound sand. There we go. But I started wow. off with my wife first. Hold on. You know, yes. I know it's a Christian network and so forth, but I want to talk about hot conservative women. I'm just telling you. Hot uh, I conservative mean, women. That's, that's my wife. That's your wife. That's those out there. But when you think about it, um, uh, people that on the Republican side, we've had all those memes about uh, conservative women, obviously have to take care of themselves. They're fighters, you know, gun rights and so forth. And oftentimes they're much more attractive. And I'm saying this in kind of tongue in cheek, but it's true. And our, and our wives are there. But did you see, I'm saying that because I'm a big fan of Christy Noem the governor of South Dakota, uh, who's out there shooting and fighting for everybody. But um, Sarah Palin is back in the news, brother. Sarah Palin is running for Congress. She may be serving in Congress with you in 2022. She wishes. Huh? Running for Congress in Alaska. <laughs> I think that's awesome. That's great. How many, how many Congress people does Alaska have? Probably one, right? Probably one. Aren't they like you know? Wyoming? They have like one... <laughs> One congressperson and one senator or two senators. So yeah. it's a state. Yeah. No, even if there, it's a statewide race. Yes. So uh, that might not be true. I know for sure it's true in Wyoming. And see, that's the brilliance of our constitution, right? Because the mm -hmm. low population states, like Wyoming and Alaska, have very few congressional seats because they're low population, but they. All, everybody gets two Senate seats. So they're everybody's equally represented in the Senate. And so that's cool. 
That's really cool. That, that is cool. So I was excited to see that because, you know, we there were several outspoken conservative ladies for years in Congress. Many of them, like Michelle Bachman, have uh, since retired or gone away. So it would be nice to clasp with Lauren Boebert, the clasp with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, you get Sarah Palin back. You know, then you have strong governors out there like Ron DeSantis and Christy Nome, uh, Greg Abbott as well, that's not quite as conservative as the other two. But I'm excited about the leadership that's happening at the national and the state levels, at least around the nation. So I want to start it's, off it's, with there. It's yeah. a whole new team. It's a whole new, you know, and, and so a lot of times we, you know, we talk about, we've, I, I used to hear it for years, but the Joshua generation, the K, you know, Joshua mm-hmm. and Caleb, like these old dudes, right? They're like from the old generation, but they're bringing in this whole new young generation of, um, you know, warriors going to take the promised land. And so that's what I love about, you know, the fact that Sarah's sticking around and some, some of the older folks are sticking around to help that young, you know, Simon from Washington state and, you know, yep. these younger, you know, Lauren Boebert over there from what is she from Colorado, I believe. Colorado. Yep. And um, yeah. And so we have a lot of young fiery, you know, let's go to war people. And you got old wise people kind of like McClendon and Basler, stuff like that. So, yeah. I love the fact though, that like you said, you have these sort of these patriarchs, matriarch people that have been around for a while that have been solid conservatively understanding that our biblical roots, understanding their, their faith in God, that they begin through the battle where the left, the, this crazy attack on our faith, they've been through the fire, they've been unfazed, and now there's this whole new generation of leaders that are, that are foundational, that are true, that need that sort of like, okay, you've been through it, let's do this together and bring this country back. So I'm, I'm excited. And of course, uh, I can see you leading a lot of people down there in D.C., so... Yeah, I got to get there first. So be yep. sure to make those donations. <laughs> Go to tugpastor.com today and get involved. This ad so, paid for by Marty McClendon. That's right. By Marty McClendon, <laughs> best friend of Doug Bassler. That's right. Oh, my gosh. So um, so we got a couple of guests today. So we should yes. probably get to them because they're waiting patiently in the wings, uh, dressed as people. As people, okay. Yes, dressed up See, as people. I thought that I mean, I'm going to take credit for this. Um, they are both friends of ours, uh, both involved in politics in different ways for different years, both people of faith, um, and both have been uh, have a calling upon their lives. And so I know that one of them is Carrie French, who's um, many people in the um, state know who she is. She sings national anthems, she's got a great voice. She's been involved in politics. Uh, we'll uh, have her talk about that. Carrie French many, many is years. more than just a pretty voice. Yes, yeah, but a, a fighter and feisty and passionate and you know you name it. And then Jeff Harvey, which is our other guest today, we'll bring him on too. Has been involved at every level, at the federal level with Dave Reichert. You know, at the, at the state level, the at the King County level as the executive director, as a campaign um, sort of consultant. So I, I thought um, I'd like to talk to both of them about their faith journey and what brought them into the political realm. And, of course, how they navigate that, um, both of those, while they're doing it. What do you think, brother? Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. Mm. So welcome, Carrie French and Jeff Thank Harvey. Thank you. So, Carrie, let's start off with you. Um, obviously, yes. you've, you've been in Washington State. I know you left for a while to work for Act for America, right? Yes. And came back. Um, talk about your sort of journey into the political realm and, and how your faith kind of works with that. 
Well, first of all, I want to just say that I am one of those hot conservative women. Yes, you are. And yeah. uh, I refuse to call it hot flashes. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, I got to tell you one thing about hot conservative women is, you know, that it's a gun and not something else in our pants. Just saying. So but I'm I, dumb. Uh, yes. <laughs> I have been involved in politics since I was 17 and Ronald Reagan was running for his second term. I was too young to vote, but I have always felt a duty to be involved in the republic that our founders gave us. And I think it's a dereliction of duty for any American citizen to not be involved. And I think it's a double dereliction of duty for Christians not to be involved because Jesus said to occupy until he returns. And to me, that's a military term. So we need to take those and we need to be involved because I see a lot of people complaining about how godless our, our government has become and how corrupt it's become. Well, that is because mm -hmm. uh, we have over 900,000 Christians in Washington state alone who don't vote. That is shameful. And if you want a godly government, you got to vote for godly people and you got to get involved. So at the very least, vote. Um, get involved in in the in the party of your choice. But of course, I'm a Republican. Mm -hmm. um, I've been that way since I was 17 and Ronald Reagan was running. I couldn't vote. So I got involved in his uh, campaign and <clears throat> I uh, went down to the campaign office in Seattle and I and I did uh, a day's worth of work and I patted myself on the back and I said, look, I did something. <laughs> but nobody reached out their hand to that 17 year old and said, Hey, thanks for coming down. Have you ever heard of young Republicans? Have you ever heard of, uh, have you, do you want to be involved in the party? Nobody said that to me. So I didn't know I was only 17. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I went, uh, into the Navy for 20 years. Um, I was a chaplain's assistant in the Navy. Um, and so I grew up in a pastor's home. So I've never, I've never not known a life without God, even when I was rebelling and angry um, when my daughter passed away. I, that was about a seven-year stretch that I didn't want to have anything to do with God. I don't know if too many people know that, but nope. it was really, really hard. But um, I think what, what I came to know is that the rain falls on the just and unjust alike. Mm -hmm. And while we're on this earth, we we will go through everything that anybody else goes through. So uh, just because we're Christians, we're not exempt from the troubles of life. And I so, think ev um, even more so, uh, carry on that yeah, note, I think well, even more exactly. so it says that we are, we will experience trials and tribulations. Yeah, exactly. I mean, right. and, and Satan would like nothing better to get us discouraged, mm -hmm. to get us unplugged in, out of our society, to bog us down with things that don't matter. Um, you know, minutia that doesn't really matter, but I do believe that saving this country is worth the fight. And I am a fighter. I have to work more on the love part, but I'm a fighter. And I've been that way since I was in high school. Um, you know, I was always standing up for my, my rights and telling my teachers, you know, that's your opinion. That's not my opinion. I have a different opinion. And actually, um, the fact that I stood up, even when I was the only one, I had kids calling me after I graduated from high school and they wanted to start a Christian prayer group uh, on campus. And I said, okay, well, go to the principal, take your parents, put it in writing. He's going to deny you. Then you go to the school board, take your parents, put it in writing. They're going to deny you. And then you get a lawyer and sue the school for violating your civil rights because it is, it is your, it's a violation of the first amendment for them to tell you, you cannot 
do this on campus. Um, so I didn't hear anything more about it. I went into the Navy. I was a chaplain's assistant. We had a national day of prayer. And um, I heard a, a chaplain talking about this case where kids took it to the Supreme Court of the United States. And I said, wow, that's kind of weird because that's what happened. And so when I asked him, where did this happen? He said it came out of Renton. And uh, then I found out later that one of my girlfriend's churches financed that lawsuit. It went all the way to the Supreme Court and they won. So standing up for your standing up for your values as a Christian, as a conservative, you never know what effect that is going to have. So um, I now I live in King County, which is, you know, the heart of darkness. (laughs) And but I'm not afraid to stand up and say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Republican. Um, I have just as much a right as anybody else to stand up and, and assert my values as anyone else does. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say this. I'm not a perfect Christian. I have to ask forgiveness a lot. But um, basically, uh, my, my I think family that's the definition really... of a perfect Christian. That's right. <laughs> well, my, my family was never really political. They voted. And that was about it. And when I got, when I was 17, Reagan came out and, you know, the new, new uh, was mm-hmm. a morning in America. And he just really inspired a lot of patriotism. And I love this country and I wouldn't have served it for 20 years if I didn't love this country and the people in this country. What I don't love is communism and all these other isms that are coming and trying to take our freedoms. And I will not go down without a fight. And so I challenge anyone who's listening here, especially in Eastern Washington, because I was raised in Spokane for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you all think you're all safe over there in Eastern Washington. And so some of you don't vote because why, why should you, you know, it's going to go red anyway. I encourage you to vote anyway. And if you're in a safe district, come over here in Western Washington and help us mm-hmm. because we want to turn Washington red because we think we have better, um, policies that, you know, give people more freedom. So, and, and economic freedom and prosperity, and that's what we want for people. So that's so, kind of my story, and I'm sticking you know, with it. I, I appreciate that. And what you said, too, for Eastern Washington, we've talked about this before, Doug and I, as well, but every Republican vote matters for statewide elections. When we Absolutely. talk about the, the for 40 years having all Democrat uh, executive leaders, governors, because, you know, turnout. When you have a 90% plus turnout in King County, but you have a 65% turnout the rest of the state, we have a problem. So even though you vote for your candidate, you got to think that your vote counts statewide. I'll ask you one more question before going to our next guest as well. But Jeff, now with this, your parents weren't political, you said. They were Christians. Correct. You grew up in a Christian home. Yes. And, but, and obviously, Ronald Reagan inspired you to get engaged. You have yes. a lifetime of service. And obviously, this connecting Christians. And so... With this idea, we've been preached, basically the church has been told by the entire world that they should stay out of politics because it's dirty. And yet we know scripturally that's not true. We're called to be the salt and light. We're called to be Absolutely. at the table to, to influence you know, what happens. And so did your parents come around to your way of thinking or did they oh, stay? Well, you know, we, my whole family is conservative. So it wasn't that they didn't yeah. come around to my thinking that they just weren't as outspoken as I was. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, being salt is absolutely useless if you stay in the shaker. So you got to get out there. You got to mm-hmm. get out there and you got to get involved in your school boards. I mean, look what's happening in our schools. Good yep. Lord almighty. I mean, I am just like, you know, stop the world. I want to get off. This is craziness that's going on in the schools. And why is that? Because we have abdicated our responsibility 
as conservatives, right. as Christians to get involved. So, you know, yeah, politics is gross. Politics is dirty. But you know what? Jesus was involved in politics and they killed him for it. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, we have to stay involved. We have to. We don't have a choice. Yep. Think about Jesus. The- so he came back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. In the, um, we talk about the reference, but remember when they pulled out the troops in Iraq, it created a vacuum. It was filled by ISIS and it created Absolutely. the caliphate, right? Because, you know, n- nature abhors a vacuum, right? Absolutely. When the church vacated, abdicated their place in civil government, it the vacuum was created and it was filled with all the people that are anti Christian, yep. anti-church. And Absolutely. so when you see legislation that is grooming our children, it's because mm-hmm. we have left the place and, and then we shouldn't be surprised in what is being developed. It's everything that would be against our faith and our values. I would agree. Now, there have been some movements within uh, this country uh, after the Scopes monkey trial, uh, because Christians were made so fun of, uh, they basically withdrew. They call it the Scopes monkey trial. That was when the Tennessee teacher was um, going to teach um, the, the hypothesis of evolution. And because uh, I refuse to call it a theory, it hasn't been proven. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, after Christians got made fun of, they really withdrew from public life. And then uh, in the 80s, we saw a resurgence with Reagan and the evangelicals. And then after the 80s, they withdrew. Um, they thought, okay, our job is done. Let's go home. Just like I mm-hmm. did when I, re- you know, I volunteered the one day and went home and thought, hey, I did my part. Um, we have to, you know, we always have to stay engaged because like Jefferson said, um, uh Liberty requires eternal vigilance. Mm-hmm. And um, if we don't, we're going to, you know, we saw another resurgence at, with, with Trump of Christians getting involved. And now, but things are so bad now that, that all sorts of people, conservatives, even if they're, you know, not Christians, they are getting involved. It's just that we have to stay involved because I mm-hmm. see this in the conservatives all the time. They get involved. They do a couple things some yuckiness happens and they go off, screw this, forget it. I'm getting out of here. And Mm -hmm. they quit. And what happens then you've got your party that's jerked more to the left. You, Mm -hmm. you have bad things happening in your schools. You're happy. You have to always stay involved and don't quit. I know it gets tiring, you know, take a rest, but you cannot quit. you just cannot because when we quit, that's when the enemy wins. And when I talk about the enemy, I'm talking about Satan and those who would advance his agenda. Okay, I'm going to go to, to Jeff in just a second. This is really good. And Doug and I have talked about this before, about getting engaged, getting engaged. We do, as conservatives, we do a really good job of responding to an attack, or like you said, or getting engaged for a season, but then we forget about it and, and, and let our guards down. But we have to understand this is a spiritual war being played out in the, in the political realm and economic realm where we have to stay vigilant for the sake of our children and the family and the, and the prosperity of this nation. So it's a war. If we have a yeah. war mindset, then we won't stop do it for a season. It is forever, long-term. And so this thing, uh, you were careful to say, get involved in either party. And we have a lot of this. Um, where as conservatives, as Republicans, I think over the last 40 years, specifically in Washington State, I've seen a lot of really reticence from Republicans in general to touch these issues. Let's just stay away from them. Let's try to be appealing. Let's not be called names. Let's talk about uh, financial policy and not social policy. 
And yeah, I that's, think that, that's a coward's way out. That's honestly. been to our detriment. So yep, if you absolutely. have a body of Christ that wants to get engaged, they see yep. nothing that they can uh, say, well, where do I go? Right? Well, here's here's the thing, Marty. Um, a lot of these social issues that I know more moderate Republicans don't like to touch, they touch budget items too. I mean, mm-hmm. let's just talk about abortion for a minute. The cutting up of little babies in the mm-hmm. womb. It just it it just blows me away that you know the the quote the party the the party of science can't figure out that you know my my daughter was born at 25 weeks. She was fully formed, one pound five ounces, teeny yep. tiny. I can't imagine what happens. And they're telling these girls, oh, it's just a clump of cells, you know, no more than like a tumor. And that is not, it's a highly organized clump of cells that, you know, is in the form of a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want to talk right. about that because it's so, you know, scary and people might call you names and this and that. But you know what? It touches our budget because we are funding that. Yep. So I, I uh, think we're, we're all just touch- a clump of cells, aren't we? Yeah. So I mean, exactly. you, could use that same, you could use that same uh, argument. To say, hey, you know, we need to get rid of these uh, Trump supporters that we got locked up. <laughs> exactly, in they're just DC a clump because of cells. there's a bunch right. of clump of cells and some, right. and some being held some, in some jail cells. Some and clumps are why, bigger than others. Yeah, that's why words are so important. We have to use the right words, and so, um, yeah, we we have to stay involved. And the social issues touch the budget issues, and so it's all intertwined. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, we may disagree on some things. Uh, th- that's why I say, you know, join the party you want. But honestly, I. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this, but join I think the, the Republican Party, Party took yeah. over the Democrats. Yeah, they yeah. They, don't join they the Communist Party, problems. the Socialist Party. Yeah, that's, that's failed, failed, they, they, always fails. Never, it's not successful. They've completely taken off their mask, and you're just seeing the hammer and sickle right now, and they don't even care. Well, let's, we let's bring let's bring Jeff yes. in, brother. Yes. So, Jeff, uh, I want to hear your story as well. I mean, just t- let our listeners know kind of your background, how you got involved in politics. Is this a career for you? And kind of your experience. And then I want to talk about your faith. I know your faith, you're newer to your faith in Christ um, recently. So we'll get start with the politics first. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, so I, I got involved in politics at a very young age. It was right before I was actually living in uh, Phoenix. I was 11 years old, almost my 12th birthday. My parents were getting divorced. And you know, this is a time where there was no, you know, internet or emails, nobody had cell phones. And my dad and I were trying to find a way because I was going to Florida with my mother to, to bond. Mm-hmm. And so for my 12th birthday, where other kids are getting footballs and basketballs and all that, he gave me Rush Limbaugh's The Way Things Got a B Book. <laughs> and it was once a week, it was once a week, I would read a chapter. And then that would give us a reason to get on the phone and, and have a discussion of, of, you know, what I read and any questions that I had. And so that was on my 12th birthday, essentially, my intro to politics and conservative politics was uh, my dad and, and, and Rush Limbaugh uh, uh, kind of pushing me in that direction. And uh, so I remember reading, um, you know, it was, uh, the way things ought to be. And then he had a second book come out. Um and it just made sense, even at, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, you know, the things he was saying about welfare and, you know, just pulling your own weight uh, mm-hmm. just resonated because uh, I was at a point in my life where I was starting to emancipate myself. Uh, I was living with my mother. There was some turmoil going on. And so I had actually moved out of the house and was living uh, in an apartment in uh, Cocoa Beach, Florida, about two miles from where my mom was living. 
Uh, and so I was looking at taxes being taken out of my paychecks and, uh, you know, trying to figure all that stuff out. So everything that I'd read from, you know, uh, conservative uh, thinkers uh, and then just kind of my life experience at a young age uh, really formed my, you know, or solidified my conservative views. Um, mm-hmm. And then it was uh, eventually I moved back here to Washington. It was, uh, I was 15. And, um, my, my grades had been suffering tremendously in Florida. I came here in the 10th grade and I had just over a 1.2 GPA, uh, was really just focused on basketball. Wow, Marty, you're not the only one. Friends. <laughs> uh, so I, I was really focused on that. And I had a couple really good, it was the Mariner high school in South Everett, had a couple really good teachers, uh, come up to me, one specifically my English teacher, and said, Jeff, you know, you have two options in your life. You can either pump your own gas or have somebody, or you can pump somebody's gas or, or have somebody pump gas for you. And that was just kind of her, her imagery for me. And I started thinking about that a little bit more. And, and over a week period, uh, her name was Tammy Nesting. Uh, Tammy formed uh, the first debate club and speech club that Mariner High School had had since the late 70s. And she said, Jeff, I, I want you to be a part of this. I think it's going to help with, you know, your education and, and everything else. And so I joined the, in the, the 10th grade, I joined the speech and debate team. Um, in the 11th grade, I became captain of both speech and debate team and in the 12th grade, uh, double lettered in forensics. And when you do cross-examination debate, you're looking at resolutions that are very political. In my junior year, it was... Uh, uh, we should substantially change our foreign policy towards China, which <laughs> seems to still be a resolution that needs right. to be uh, debated. Uh, and so I just really got fascinated at that point then with policy. I started seeing like, hey, I'm not a dumb guy. I just needed a chance. And these teachers uh, put me into AP classes and everything. And uh, so when I got out of high school, graduated high school, I really didn't have any direction. Went to Bellevue Community College. Uh, and transferred over to Seattle U. I'd grown up Catholic, uh, the, the typical Catholic family where you go on Easter and Christmas and, yep. you know, yep. from zero to seven, you go to the Sunday school. And that, that's pretty much, uh, that was my relationship with, with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so, you know, um, anyway, I, I was really kind of focused on, okay, what do I do next? I get into Seattle U. Uh, and I had an opportunity to intern for a guy named Jim Horn. He was a state senator out in the 41st district at the time. And so when we actually had the majority in Olympia in the Senate and uh, really just kind of delved into uh, the intern policy on transportation was his area. And then that was in the early 2000s. And uh, Jim needed a, a campaign manager for his reelection. I didn't know if I wanted to work on campaigns, had a really good talk with the chief of staff of the Senate, uh, a guy named Jim Troyer. Uh, who loved Jim. Uh, yeah, yeah, take a chance on campaigns. Yeah, Jim's awesome. I I, yeah. he, I credit him with uh, getting me into politics or campaigns. And so I managed Jim Horn's race and kind of just got addicted to campaigns and uh, started moving around the U.S. Uh, went from here, uh, went out to Wisconsin, uh, been to Oregon, New Jersey, Arizona, Virginia, New York, uh, and a few other states where I've worked in. And I basically traveled until about 2010, uh, we had just won Chris Christie's race in 2009. It was a fantastic race. And uh, I got to sit down in DC with a guy named Dave Reichert. And 
he asked uh, if I wanted to go back to Seattle, go back home and manage his race. And so I did that. It, that was a, a D3 seat at the time. So it was a very competitive eighth congressional. Uh, we won it. I went out to Wisconsin after that to do some Senate recall stuff because the, the Democrats were mad at some collective bargaining stuff in Wisconsin and trying to recall six state senators. And when I was out there, Dave called me and said, hey, uh, my chief of staff just left. Do you want to be my chief of staff? I said, heck yeah. <laughs> so I packed <laughs> my stuff from Wisconsin, went to D.C. And uh, I'll tell you, it was the best four and a half years uh, as a chief of staff for Dave. Uh, best experience I've ever had in my life. And then, um, you know, there, there's a longevity or there's a shelf life for most chiefs of staff. It's, it's a pretty intense job. And so after about four and a half years, I went out on my own. Dave said, great, I'm your first client. So I went from chief of staff, basically just a senior advisor for Dave until he retired and um, had the opportunity in this state to work for a few different really good organizations. Um, Enterprise Washington, I was president of for a little bit, which is our big pro business pack. Uh, Marty, I spent some money on you when you ran yep. in 2018. And yep. then, uh, you know, went back out on my own. And then I've had the opportunity to help with the King County Republican Party uh, for the last uh, about 16 months now. Um, and in that time, it was in the, during the King County Republican Party is really when I found Christ. Um, mm -hmm. And I found a shift in my politics, actually, as well, when I found Christ. That, see right there, that, that uh, is fantastic. First of all, you can tell us more if you want about... Um, you know, how you were led to Christ if you want to, uh, that's up to you. Oh, yeah. Um, but I want, when you go there too, this this shift in your politics, because you've been around Republican politics, like Kerry, for a long, long time. You've seen it at the national level, the local level, multiple state levels as well. What a great uh, uh, sort of behind the scenes look for our listeners to, to see what really goes on, you know, and what is the sort of like belief system and, and, you know, winning elections and, you know, these, like Carrie and I talked about the social issues versus the financial issues and so forth. Yes. How has your uh, outlook looked, your belief system changed finding Christ? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll go quickly if, if mm -hmm. it's okay, just kind of into how Absolutely. I found them. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's an incredible, for me, I, I, it, I, I get emotional every time I even just think about it, but um, you know, I, I, I kind of mentioned uh, my childhood and I went through an emancipation and, you know, there were some issues. My parents did the best they could, but, you know, it just didn't always work out and translate to good parenting. And mm -hmm. uh, so for the longest time, I just felt like there was no purpose other than to make money, pay bills, uh, maybe get a wife someday and a family if I could. But really, I, I had no direction, no purpose. I never looked at anything with longevity, which is why campaigns have always been fantastic. You know, it's a one year kind of gig right. and then you, you start all over because I just didn't trust anybody uh, to ever be there for me uh, ever uh, mm -hmm. for, for anything. And so it was right at the beginning of COVID. My drinking had gone pretty, it, I was drinking a lot. Uh, and in politics, that's what people <laughs> generally do. And, uh, but when COVID and the the mandate hit, and you know a lot of people started dealing with mental health issues, I did as well. And I went from being able to go out with my buddies and friends and political functions and drink there, to where I found I was just drinking by myself at home, mm -hmm. and uh, I was getting inside my head a lot. 
um, you know, and trying to find that purpose. I just, I could never figure out why am I here? What, why am I working? I mean, I know why I'm working to pay bills, to get a paycheck, but other than that, what's my purpose? And um, so there was one night, it was uh, June 3rd, 2020, uh, a friend came over and he was, you know, he, he, I was just kind of bummed out. So he came over to hang out. We were drinking a ton of beer. He leaves about nine o'clock that night. And as soon as he left, I mean, I was having a great time, you know, drinking, drunk, whatever. He leaves and I just, it's instant sadness again. Just this depression is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm alone again. I'm just going to keep drinking. So I made a decision. I, uh, and this is where I get emotional. Um, you know, I, everybody says, oh, you know, they were telling me God's great and whatever. And I'm always mad at him throughout mm-hmm. my whole life. Cause why are you putting me through this? And why, why? And so I had a shouting match for three hours. <laughs> it was gone. <laughs> you know, just, I, I I've said words that I yep. shouldn't have. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I was shouting and, and it was one of those where I finally said, Hey, if, if you're real, if, if this is, if this is legit, you know, show me, do something because all I'm doing is drinking and, and, and like just losing my mind. Mm-hmm. And so after about three hours of shouting, I did some praying, didn't really know how to pray, you know, or you know, whatever. But uh, I told him, I said, okay, I've been drinking a lot. I'm going to pour out every bottle of alcohol in my house. I know that there's a risk of withdrawals. It's the worst thing you can, you know, withdraw from is alcohol uh, as far as safety and, and you can mm-hmm. die from it. And I said, you know, if I can make it through and, and, and if, if, if I don't have cravings and, and I can figure this out, I will submit my life to you. I, be, I will believe in you. I will do whatever, you know, you tell me to do, I, I will do it. And so that night I poured out all my alcohol, uh, went to bed, woke up, hung over, you know, sicker than, right. sicker than a dog. Um, but it was only for about a half a day. It was just a typical hangover. Um, that night I started praying a little bit. I had a, I, did, I had a Bible somewhere, didn't know where it was. I had a devotional. Um, so I started just reading through my devotional book that, that I'd had for a while. And, um, it was about three or four days later. Um, and I just been sitting around it was, uh, mm-hmm. about three or four days later, I realized, wow, I, I, my anxiety and my depression are going down. I am no cravings for alcohol, nothing. Um, and it was just this fantastic thing. Then I get a call and, you know, love him or hate him. I get a call from Josh Freed. He had just lost mm-hmm. the governor's race and he was looking for a campaign manager uh, for Lieutenant governor, never talked to him before. And so took that and, you know, I had a couple other clients, but took him on as a client. And then when he moved over to King County uh, Republican party, he asked me to go with him. And it was during that time where I, I was dating a really incredible girl at the time. who was a big believer in Christ and living her life the way she should um, and I had Joshua and, and, uh, they were getting me to go to home church. And I started like understanding that I can have a relationship with God. You know, I can talk to him myself. You grow up right. as a Catholic and you're kind of told you got to go through somebody else in order to, an to intermediary. To and I just right, started right, yeah. forming. Yeah. It, 100, 100 and nothing against, yeah. you know, yeah. Catholicism. It just, it didn't make sense to me. And so all these answers and all these questions I had, we're starting to get answered through this process of like learning about Christ. You know, I read Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ, which I think is an amazing book. I've let my book out to many people who are also at the beginning of their journey. 
Um, but it was uh, March 15th of last year uh, when I was, uh, it was the girlfriend I had. Uh, she said, you know, what are you waiting for, Jeff? Mm-hmm. God has shown, I, I was losing weight. I was just healthier than anything. And she said, why haven't you fully spent it? Like, it, this makes no sense to me. Like, God has shown himself in your life. And I, I just broke down and started crying. I said, I don't know. I'm, I, I need to. And mm-hmm. it was that night at that moment, I said, I'm turning my whole life over to you. Like every, anything that I'm supposed to do. And that's when I, you know, I didn't even really know. I knew what the word was, but I didn't know what the words in the word was. And uh, right. uh, so really started focusing on, on, on like understanding what it meant to be, you know, a, a Christian, a real Christian. And um, yeah, it, it was uh, again, March 15th of, of last year. So I'm just over a year of being a born again. Uh, and, and I can tell you like my life has 100% completely changed. Mm-hmm. I'll be going on two years of not having alcohol in May or uh, beginning of June. Um, and uh, my life, through the hardships that I've seen, I've handled them differently. I don't turn to alcohol. I don't turn to, you know, destructive behavior. I turn to Christ. I turn to his word. Um, mm-hmm. And I try to give myself a couple hours a day uh, to immerse myself in that. That's an extremely important uh, thing in my life now. So what I found, so that that's, that's how I came to Christ. But then mm-hmm. what I found is it, it was a tough journey and it still is because I lost a lot of friends. Because mm-hmm. now I've, I've stopped drinking. So there's some friends I've already lost because nobody wants to hang out with the sober guy if you're all going out drunk or drinking to get drunk. And, and now I've become uh, born again. And, and, you know, it's important to me. So I post things and, and, you know, talk about Christ as much as I possibly can. I pray with friends. And that I saw, I don't want to say persecution. That's not the right word. But I, I there are people that no longer talk to me because of my belief in Christ and how Mm -hmm. I can't stop talking about how he changed me. I mean, how he, he just filled me with his grace. And Mm -hmm. um, the other part of that then is I started, you know, I always had the idea that if you lived a decent life, you know, you didn't kill somebody, uh, you didn't do too many bad things, no matter what you did, God was going to just let you in at the end of the day. Um, And so I let my political values kind of, mirror that. So my thing, for instance, I, up until about a year ago now, I was pro-choice. Um, my thing was, well, that's not me to, for me to judge. That's for God to judge at the end. And, and if that person's good, hopefully, you know, they get a hall pass. Um, and it wasn't until I, you know, really started reading the word, really started understanding, you know, God, you know, that God forms us in the womb, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just everything. And I'm still learning all the phrases and terminology. I'm a new guy, but um, I just realized like, I, I can't be pro-choice. You know, I, 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 I have to be pro-life. Like this is what God says. Like it, it is murder 100% where I, up until a year ago, I was trying to justify my position on being pro-choice because it won elections. I could get into groups by saying I was pro-choice that otherwise I couldn't as a Republican because they look at me, Oh, he's, he's not that bad of a guy because he thinks it's okay to kill babies, I guess, you know, like it's right. just, just insanely right. weird to think. of. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, that was one of the big ones. Another, you know, my oldest brother's uh, gay mm-hmm. and I was very 
much just, you know, uh, as long as I don't see it or it doesn't affect me, uh, whatever. But, you know, as Carrie said earlier, a lot of that, and I was a part of the problem, I know I was, is that you have people like me who are getting people elected, who are helping shape policy, and I wasn't looking at some of the policy through the lens of Christianity or what, you know, I, I should have been doing. I, I was looking at it solely on winning elections. And, right. Right. and I know I've, I know I got, uh, not Dave, right. Dave Reichert is by far the most Christian man, but I did get godless people elected. I know that. Right. And I, I feel shame about that. Well, don't feel shame. This is this important too, because we all come from a place and when we come to whether you grew up in it or not, I mean, I, I came from an empty place myself, right? You, you don't know you're, you surround yourself with people like yourself, hurting people, hurt people, yeah. right? You were hurting, you were empty and you know, mm -hmm. searching and, and thank God, you know, God now, and he'll change your perspective the Holy Spirit guides you into a new way of thinking. And yeah, um, people, are, you know, they see a change and they either uh, move away because they don't want to change themselves, you know, and there are certain things you value now that you didn't value. But what I love about this is the fact of where you came from and what God's doing in your life is you get a perspective that is very valuable. So when you go into new political situations now with the understanding of where you were, you could probably connect with people still on a different level than someone else that's always grown up in the church could, because you've been there. I know I connect with people uh, on a, yeah. a different basis because of where I came from that I would have never been able to, if I didn't understand how lonely, how separated, how empty it can be not being in a relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, I, I always say that I, I had no purpose or I felt like I had no purpose and God not only is my purpose, but gave me my purpose. And, so um, let me just interject here because I, I've just been fascinated to, you know, really to listen to your testimony and Carrie's as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, now you're, you're coming at this, you know, and I get it. You're still, you know, kind of a new Christian and all that, but um, you're still in politics. You're still going for it. And, um, is that, uh, you know, what Carrie was saying about, you know, people getting out and being involved and being voting. How do you feel about that now? About like the, uh, her sat of the, 900,000 Christians not voting. Yeah. Yeah. The necessity of Christians getting out and, and registering to vote and be, voting and being involved. And yes. Yeah. Because it's a, because right, right now. No, I mean, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was I, I think it's extremely important and it's disappointing that we aren't seeing it. But it's also disappointing that uh, there's a lot of people in this state, Christians who aren't doing the things necessary. You know, I use an example in 2009 um, when I was on Chris Christie's race, uh, we went after non-traditional groups of, of voters that generally obviously aren't Republican voters. And a lot of those were in African-American churches in Camden. We're in Jersey City. And so we'd go late at night with police escorts because, you know, Camden's one of the most dangerous cities in the U.S., but we were going into black churches. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in that election, Chris Christie got the most African-American votes of any Republican governor in New Jersey. He got the most Hispanic votes because we were going to the Hispanic churches uh, than any governor in, in New Jersey history at the time as well. It was because we were actually going into the churches. And, and the irony, again, is I wasn't really 
you know, I didn't believe and I wasn't a practicing Christian at the time, mm-hmm. but I was out there getting church lists, uh, setting up dates for him to go. And I truly believe that it was uh, a huge factor um, to his success uh, in so when let he me, was, um, was going into the churches. Okay. Yeah. And I, that's, I mean, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you go, you do, but if, if more Christians were involved, let's take this from the standpoint of where you were at before you became a believer or a committed believer is the, if, if the Christian church was involved and they were a big factor in getting elect, making elections happen, getting people elected, how would that affect you as a political consultant? You'd be like, you'd be going after them, right? You'd be playing to them. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, just the fact that you trying to get, yeah. So instead of trying to get the, the gay agenda or whatever, to get other people that are maybe pushing some ungodly, you'd be like pushing the godly agenda, right? Because that touches all these, this massive amount of voters. Right. So this is, I mean, I'm just, you know, 100%. from a practical standpoint, even Christians that maybe don't run for office or, um, you know, get involved in campaigns and stuff like that. Of course, we want everybody to do all that. But just by being a voter and having a voice, you affect how people are going to campaign and what what how they're going to govern when they when they get into office. Right. One hundred percent. Yep. I, I agree. OK. And Doug, talk- I would say to that, um, the Republican Party, I guess has not been great at doing outreach to these communities who share our conservative values, especially uh, family and entrepreneurship. Um, For instance, the Hispanic block of voters, that should be, they should be Republican voters. And we're seeing a large number of Hispanics leave the Democrats. Um, The black families, you know, they have usually pretty traditional uh, values um, and want to be entrepreneurs. And we, we have not done a great job reaching out to them and defining who we are and letting the Democrats define who we are, and which is, of course, not true. And uh, we've, we've got a goldmine of people that can be helpful in getting good, godly people elected if we reach out to them and show them that we share a lot of the same values. And, and I think really it's, it's a matter of um, the churches themselves, the pulpit, uh, really starting to take on these political issues. Like I'm reading this this incredible, uh, horrible story uh, this week on Fox News about New Jersey teaching gender identity classes to second graders, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, New Jersey's way behind because we do it to kindergartners and first graders here in Washington State. But the church is silent. They're missing, Right. Oh, you know, you may have you may feel like you're a boy and you have girl parts, but, you know, that's OK. You can be a boy. You know, it's a lie. They're teaching lies. Mm-hmm. You can't yes, be, and- you can't be a boy. You're a girl. You're stuck. <laughs> right. You can't be you know, you can't be black if you're white. You can't be white. if You, you know, I mean, so all these things that you can sort of imagine. And it's all based around sex. And it's just like, okay, where's the church, right? Where are the Christians? Mm -hmm. And you're um, absolutely right, Doug. And we do have churches now that are standing up. My uh, cousin, Dennis Cummins, down at Experience Church in in South Hill, uh, Motion Church, pastors are now realizing Mm -hmm. their responsibility to to lead their flocks, for lack of a better word, um, Mm -hmm. in voting for biblical values. So any any of these pastors who are afraid to get involved for offending people, I'm calling them out right now. You're a bunch of cowards. You know, yep. you need you need to uh, 
you know, get a backbone and you need to stand up for biblical values and encourage your people to vote biblical values. And if for some reason they can't vote, if they're not a citizen or they got a felony record or whatever, then get involved in a campaign. You can Mm -hmm. contribute some way. I would add to that, bringing back into Jeff as well and Carrie here, as a consultant and being involved in a while, the party in general, to win elections, we all, this doesn't win. We have to uh, attract candidates that go across the aisle, whatever. And I, and I want to reiterate the fact that I believe that if the church, the body, the 900,000, as Carrie said, that didn't vote were actually engaged, to Doug's point, the political parties would be catering to a message and candidates that would uh, support those values because they have a big stick. They they have the power to unelect people or to elect them, and yet they haven't been using it. And so what the political establishment does is go after those that actually have the resources and are engaged that can swing elections. And so we have this untapped uh, ability, if you will, uh, if we get engaged as conservatives and Christians uh, in the civil government, in establishing what is right and wrong, and uh, actually standing against legislation that would go against our, our very values, our biblical values, and support candidates and issues that actually are pro-family, pro-life, pro-community, pro-safety. I think it would be very attractive. And then people Absolutely. like Jeff. Yeah. And, and, and one of the easiest ways people can get involved, the very basic entry-level position is called a precinct committee officer. Um, Some states call them precinct committee men or whatever, but um, if anyone wants to know how to do that, I am very happy to help them. My phone number is 253-951-3721. You can call or text and I will get you in touch with the right county and you can become part of the backbone of the Republican Party. And we need a ton of PCOs. Um, your precinct is no more than 1,500 people, but it's mainly around three, four, 500 people usually. And we now have our precinct boundaries and our counties, our legislative districts need your help. And we need a conservative Christian uh, mm-hmm. perspective in our party. So, you know, you can get involved that way. So both Jeff and Carrie um, answer this question. Well, the parties aren't any different. They're, they're, they're both the same. Well, I've always said, you know, we've in, in Washington state, we've created the Republican Party just as kind of the Republican light party right. where, you know, we've looked as consultants into buckets and we put them into Republicans, Democrats and independents. And then we only focus on the independents and then we only focus on wedge issues that are never really. I mean, any of the Christian type issues are the ones that the polling says to stay away from. So we always have. And uh, yeah, we've never looked at, uh, I shouldn't say never, but we don't look at the voting base and how we win elections uh, on a Christian message. But like, as you've been saying, if 900,000 plus more uh, Christians are, are voting, then we can move our message from Republican light back to what our platform actually is, which is, you know, based on Christian principles, you know, a platform that I, uh, fully admit I didn't follow. Uh, but we aren't giving people options. Uh, we are just saying, you if you don't like your Democrat, here's a Republican that's almost like the Democrat because we've moved them so close to you. And we know, you know, just through mm-hmm. polling and, 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 you know, history that an incumbent 
unless they really did something wrong or there's a big contrast in their opponent, the incumbent will always win. So we haven't set ourselves up with any kind of contrast, giving voters any kind of difference uh, in change. I've argued that. Of course, I talk about my 2016 race, lieutenant governor, 11 candidates. And I, I, Doug can uh, swear to this as well, that I I knew I'd win the primary because there was um, Cyrus Habib, the farthest left, uh, and me, the farthest right. Everybody else was trying to fight for the middle. When you have that many people trying to fight in for the middle, you get lost. People, so people you know, people yeah. wanted a difference, people, huh? People don't rush to uh, average. You know, I don't yeah. go. I don't go to the sink and run the water so that it's lukewarm. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I want it. I want it. I want it on the stove. Make it nice and hot. Make some tea or whatever. I want it ice cold so I can have a nice cold drink of water. Right. So, right. Um, you know, the, this idea that we sort of, you know, uh, the average, the middle, the nominal. You know, that somehow that's a safe bet. And you, you proved that in 2016 by wiping out 11 guys that were against you easily by just being a Christian guy. And they're like, oh, you're, just, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going to need to lay off this pro-life, pro-God, pro-family. <laughs> and right. you're like, right. no, I don't. And that's one of the, that's why one of the reasons why we're friends, brother, because yep. we don't need to back off of what's right. Right, Carrie? We need to fight. Absolutely. And that's one reason why I love being Doug Bassler for Congress campaign manager, because you're a fighter. <laughs> the cat's you know out of the bag. That's right. <laughs> so I will say this, though, too. <laughs> Doug and I have talked about uh, having a time for courage. Two years ago, we felt like the Lord was saying, now is the time to have a backbone, to have courage. It always has been. But when we stand up, when we see people, I started off the show with Christy Nome, with uh, Ron DeSantis, with our amazing conservative women that are are just just out there bold in their faith and their beliefs and fighting. And you see people responding to that. The church, we've been giving the Christians a bad time about not getting engaged. I guarantee you that when you give people uh, that, hey, we're going to stand for values that you believe in, we're going to fight for your kids, we're going to fight, and we're not going to back down and and be afraid to talk about life, talk about marriage, talk about these things. That's when the 900,000 Christians actually turn out the vote, honestly. Absolutely. It's got to be both. Yes, get out and vote. We have to hold our promise. People are hungry for leadership. Yes. I mean, people are hungry for leadership. When my, um, like I said, my family, you know, they're, you would never believe I came from them because they're very nice and diplomatic and, you know, <laughs> they never say anything controversial. Like, and then there's me, but my, my family, since, um, my, you know, I, I, I get the, the annual gag order. We're not talking politics at Thanksgiving. Cause you're the know, white, okay, what am I the white sheep of the family. Exactly. But, you know, since my family has gotten a little more political, my, in fact, my, my, my cousin, Dennis and Lori, they've gotten more political only because not being political gives us what we've got, which is a mess and chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their churches just exploded. They've, they had to add another service. They've got three services on Sunday, you know, and, and a lot of these churches um, that are speaking up for the truth and biblical truth um, they're seeing massive attendance because people are hungry for the truth. That's right. That's and right. Let me, go back to, let me go back to Jeff again. So Jeff, you were saying that you, uh, because of this, you know, change in your, in who you are and your lifestyle and everything that you, it costs you friends, but what about the friends you have now? It, and, and that's a very good point. I, 
I have uh, the, the friends that are left and the holdovers are incredible. And then the new friends that yes. I've met, I mean, I, I, I it is one, one of the, the most amazing things that I never thought I would say, but uh, when I'm talking to some of my newer friends that I've built over the last year, you know, when I'm having a bad day or they're having a bad day, we just pray together on the phone. Yes. And, and it's the most amazing, most amazing experience. And I never would have thought that that would be an amazing experience for me. Uh, uh, and it's because of some of the new friends that I've built. So I, I've gained a lot of great relationships, you, but it, you was, know, it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. It costs you something, but you know what? The Lord, whenever, whenever you uh, take up your cross and follow him, you, things are going to change and yeah, and we're going to lose some stuff, but we're going to get what we get is so much better. That's and, right. um, and I do believe that uh, it's people like Carrie and people like Jeff that are making a huge difference in our faith and our faith community and in politics. And uh, God bless you guys for yes. you know being with us today on the show. Uh, you know, you can go to DougAndMarty.com and actually hear past broadcasts. You could probably hear this broadcast sometime next week when Marty gets around to uploading it. That's right. Uh, you can also contact <laughs> us and let us know you're listening. We love to hear from you. Well, that's it. I hope you have a great Palm Sunday, brother. Thanks, you too, brother. This is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus the world. God bless you. God bless America. Yeah, see you next week.